Hi, welcome to the Village Trader Podcast. I'm your host, Njabulin Band. This podcast is aimed at helping new and experienced traders navigate the markets and learn from other traders. This is episode number 33. In this week's episode, we're chatting with Trend Trader, a chartist, YouTuber, and a trend follower. Um, about his experiences trading the markets, please do enjoy our conversation. Good afternoon, Mr. Trend Trader. Thank you for borrowing us your time, man. How are you doing? Hi, man. I'm good. And you? Uh, all is well, man. Can't complain much. Can't complain. Tell us so look out deaf. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, man, let's just get straight into it, man. Take take me through your your um you through your your, your story or your journey into the financial market, because I as I understand it, you're not um a finance or economic major by profession. Yeah, man. Uh, okay, so I have a chemistry background. Basically, I have a science background. And then uh, around 2015, I opened an account, a unit trust account with Standard Bank and Stanley. So there I was just uh, investing in unit trust. So now, you know, when you see the price go up and down, up and down, you know, you've got a long-term goal that you're going to make some money in mm-hmm. the long run. But then you start to see the day-to-day fluctuations and then you start to think, okay, maybe I want in of that uh, action as well. And then in September 2015, I think Financial Mail had a special, there was a cover on Purple Group. Yeah, I think the September Financial Mail magazine had a special on Purple Group. So that's when I first came into contact with Easy Equities and the other companies under the Purple Group umbrella. So from there, I decided to open an investing account with a Purple Group, which is equities. Then mm-hmm. I started investing in shares. But there, you know, when you begin, you are just an amateur. You just a quick Google to see what's in there and everything. I made most of all the rookie mistakes that people make. For example, I read somewhere about penny stocks. They looked uh, attractive. I bought some companies just because they were selling cheap in terms of rent value. Mm-hmm. And that I remember at some point, then you start reading about Warren Buffett and everything, how to do analysis, fundamental analysis. But that was just uh, beyond uh, my thinking capacity because I thought it required a background in finance. But yeah, um, so I just kept on adding onto that is equities account. Then in 2016, January, I think then I decided that, okay, now it's time I try a CFD. So I opened an account with GT247. I tried a bit, a lot of up and downs, a lot of um, accounts that I bent there because literally I was clueless. I did read some books and some quick search, but there wasn't much information that I could understand. But uh, something that helped me a lot along the way, uh, as I was Googling, I think I found Reina, uh, Reina Tio's website. Mm-hmm. So, Reina Tio has, has a nice PDF document, The Ultimate Guide to Trend Following. So I read that document. I saw that, okay, this looks like an easier approach. It's something that I, I understand. It doesn't talk about finance. I just look at price and stuff. 
So now, you know, once you start to follow one person, one trader, for example, once I started following Reina on Twitter, then you start to see a lot of other trend followers popping um, on your timeline. Mm-hmm. I think the other person that I followed at the time was Asad. Uh, I think it's Asad Thanos. He's in Australia. He was also doing trend following. At that time, he used to post charts. So when you see those charts and everything and it works, when whenever he gives updates, then I thought, okay, this thing works. Even then, I thought I had uh, a hang of it. I tried it a bit. There were some good results, but they were inconsistent. And then eventually, I bought the book uh, Trend Following by Michael Covell. Yeah, that's my holy Bible, if I can put it like that. <laughs> So I read trend following um, and trend following. There are some things that I saw there that started to make sense. For example, I didn't understand the difference between risk and volatility, but in that book, it explained nicely what is risk, possibility of a loss, what is volatility, the rate of change in price. And then start to see different uh, interviews like the guys, I'm not sure if it's men AHL, but they are physicists in uh, I think it's United Kingdom. So you start to see a lot of people who don't have background in finance, making money and stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I read a uh, trend following. Then I started to read uh, other books by Michael Covell. I think I read uh, The Turkey Trader. I don't remember in terms of order. But uh, when, when I read The Turkey Trader by Michael Covell as well, what struck me there was that, uh, that uh, Richard Dennis, I forgot the name of his partner, to show that you can teach anyone how to trade for as long mm-hmm. as you can give them a set of rules that they have to follow. Mm-hmm. So that sort of uh, helped me a lot to get an understanding of trend following and systematic trend following, just a rule-based approach. But you know, uh, I don't know if, uh, you probably know Steve Benz from Twitter. You yeah, usually yeah, yeah, see that. Yes, you see that uh, Venn diagram showing risk management, psychology, I think the other one is a trading system. Mm-hmm. So now you see, you think, okay, now I have a trading plan, which I can call a system. And then the system also incorporates risk management. You think, okay, now I have this thing. I know when to enter, what to buy, how much to buy and stuff. But in terms of the mindset, are you really there? <laughs> can you handle a loss or you're just convincing yourself that you can handle a loss so at some point i read uh, trading in the zone mm. i think it's by mike Douglas. so yeah. that book for me was a game changer because then i found the key missing link to fulfill or to make my venn diagram complete so now i knew that i don't need to know what the market is doing in order to make money mm-hmm. what happened previously doesn't mean anything. I don't need to know what will happen next. Mm-hmm. I need to know the difference between knowing risk and accepting risk. So then my results started to be consistent. I mean, yes, uh, trend following works. My results can show that trend following works. A lot of people have evidence that it works. Yeah, so that was more, I was trying to trade Forex with that knowledge, some futures like NASDAQ, S&P 500, I've never traded a top 40 or the all share index. Mm-hmm. And then I use that knowledge to trade stocks. I'm still using uh, is equities, but I do the analysis 
on the site and then buy the stuff and sell the stuff on easy equities. And then I think it was 2018, I first uh, heard or saw a guy named, named Mark Minivin. Then, hey, look, this guy has a blue book, demand super performance, uh, what, what. Then like, okay, let me get myself this book. So in addition to trading in the zone, uh, the book by Mark Minivini, the, the first book, Blue Book, I don't have it. I only have the black book in a hard copy. Mm. Yeah, that was another game changer because now I saw a lot of things, uh, how to trade stocks. That was the first time in my life I realized that 100% return is possible. You just have to know what is happening in the market in terms of the market phase and then buy either you're buying certain chart patterns and then the results start coming. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, since uh, October 2018, I've been applying that knowledge. And after I had read the blue book by Mark Minivin, mm-hmm. uh, the black book, I just bought it because I enjoyed the blue book. But uh, I at that stage, I just told myself that trading, uh, if I really understood what the, the books or the knowledge was giving me, the result will show that if I can crack it, it <laughs> means that yeah, my skull is a bit thick. So yeah, the, those were the books, but uh, the people that uh, I can say they helped me a lot, it was finding a Reina Tio's material. Mm-hmm. which then uh, led me to train following by Michael Covell and a lot of the books by Michael Covell and then the Mark Minivini book, uh, the blue book, and then uh, trading in the zone. The other book that uh, helped me to just open up my mind and not to be ignorant in terms of strategies is Market Wizards by Jake mm-hmm. Schwager. So yeah, what I saw in that book is that Different approaches work for as long as you know what you are doing. For example, the people who use fundamental analysis, just exclusively fundamental analysis, Mm -hmm. they make money. The people who use technical analysis exclusively, they make money. There are people who mix it. There are people who trade different securities, they make money. So this thing of uh, wasting time arguing with people on whether LO2 theory works or it doesn't work, Fibonacci works, it doesn't work, it's just pointless. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, so now I just uh, focus on trading and then applying what I know. I still use systematic uh, trend following. Yeah, so those are the books that helped me to develop a trading approach. Then there are other books that you just read, I guess, to see other people's uh, experiences, like the reminiscences of a stock operator. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does has an element of trend following. But I think it's a nice book uh, just to see how other people handle trading. And also the book uh, by, I think it's Nicolas Davas, How I Made Two Million in the Stock Market. Mm-hmm. It also has a trend following element, even though at the time, uh, I will just say maybe by, uh, according to Michael Covell, at the time trend following wasn't known as trend following. But yeah, now I just read uh, trading or investing material for fun, not necessarily looking for strategies. Oh, got you, got you. And that, that was a very, very interesting uh, um, story and journey, man. Um, I, I, like I did enjoy um, yeah, listening to you um, doing that. 
Um, quickly before we, we we touch on on your your strategy and your um, your system and your systematic approach, are you still long only or now you you trade both uptrends and downtrends? Okay, because now I only have an account with is equities. I only go long, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also worth mentioning that there are South African traders and investors that I follow on Twitter. I think one guy that uh, is worth mentioning is Kos. Uh, I don't know if I will pronounce his surname right. I think it's Kos Kanma. Yeah, At some yeah, point, yeah. he kept on tweeting, yeah, tweeting chat. But that was long time ago, probably 2017. I asked him if he does long and short. He just said he's only on the long side. But in my case, it's because of the limitation that I have with uh, his equities. Uh, well, I've tried to trade CFDs. It's not something that I enjoyed, but at that time it was mostly because I was inexperienced. But so far, it's just uh, long only. Uh, I have a CFD account with GT247, where I trade uh, NASDAQ, S&P 500, the European futures, oils, and stuff. Yeah, whenever there is uh, something that is on a downtrend, I will short it because there I have that uh, option. I don't trade Forex. The short answer is just that I suck at it. <laughs> That's the only reason I don't trade uh, Forex. <laughs> yeah, because um, with trend following, uh, I can trade futures market on a daily chart without a lot of worries. I think the volatility there I can handle. Um, as much as Reina has tried a lot to have a lot of material showing that you can trade Forex on a daily chart. I'm not there yet. I'm not comfortable trading Forex uh, on a daily time frame. I can't use a lower time frame because I have to be somewhere during the day. So the daily time frame works best uh, for me. But yeah, so to answer you, for now, I'm just going short, uh, long, always. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you you're not the only person suffering when 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 it comes to trading the FX market. And I I, I don't trade FX um, purely because uh, I don't I hate uh, continuous markets. I want to sleep well at night knowing that you know nothing is happening on the market. You know, with when when I'm trading the the the, the GAC stocks, I know at um, ten to five, it, you know the market goes into 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 the closing auction. Then at five everything stops. So I, I, I like that yes. um, um, uh, quite a bit. So I man, take me through your, 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 your strategy when, when, looking at, when looking for opportunities or your system rather, when looking for opportunities in the market. Okay. Um, I used uh, the daily time frame, mm-hmm. and then I used the moving averages. Uh, okay, I use exponential moving averages. Uh, I don't even know why I use exponential moving averages. But yeah, uh, it's just maybe to try and be consistent and not shift between simple moving average and exponential. Mm-hmm. So it's the daily time frame with a 200-day exponential moving average. Uh, the volume indicator, I use it just to check the breakout if it has a bit of a momentum there. Mm-hmm. And then I use the average true range to estimate the volatility. So there I'm just following the teachings from the complete, uh, the, the total trader mm-hmm. and also the teachings from Rain. And then 
I, I use the 200-day exponential moving average for sort of a bias. If the price is trading above the 200-day moving average, then I'll be looking to go long in that uh, security. I don't touch anything that is trading below the 200-day moving average, irrespective of the story. Just to make an example, when Sasol was trading below 200-day moving average, and yeah. then I think last year it went to the 20 rent range, there were some comments, uh, people saying that Sasol is a great company, it will recover and everything. I just didn't buy it at 20 rand because that was against my rule. So my rule uh, for end, the stock must be trading above the 200 day moving average. But then I will look for prices uh, when they cross uh, the 200 day moving average. I like those entries because they give me a much better risk uh, to reward. So I will just mm -hmm. estimate the stop loss using the ATR. Uh, I, I think now I use 1.5 ATR. At some point I was using a two multiple uh, ATR, okay. but with 1.5 ATR, if I'm buying near the 200 day moving average, usually I get a, a less than minus 10% price decline as an exit. And then, yeah, once the stock uh, starts trading above the 200 day moving average, I'm not very good uh, with uh, patterns. But I mean, as time goes by, you start to see whether it's a bullish flag or maybe inverse uh, head and shoulder or cup and what that cup and hand cup pattern. And yeah. 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 But once the stock is above the 200 day moving average, and then I will look for other potential breakout either from the previous resistance and stuff just to add on the position whenever it, it forms a base. So my entry criteria is stocks uh, that are breaking above the 200 day moving average. I like to enter as soon as they break and mm -hmm. close above the 200 day moving average. And then if I miss that opportunity, I will wait for the stock to retrace back to the 200 day moving average, then I will uh, buy there. It's another area of value. Uh, if the 50 day moving average is now above the 200 day moving average, I will wait for pullbacks to the 50 day moving average oh, okay. to, add, yeah, to add on to the position. So if there's a pullback, I will add. But if the stock is moving upward strongly, I will just look for breakout at certain key levels. Either it's breaking out on the previous resistance and stuff, then I will add there. Oh, and then also, you. yeah, then I will search for companies that have reached their all-time highs. Mm -hmm. So if I find a company that is trading at an all-time high, I will look where I can enter with a sort of fair risk to reward. For example, I will look if the stock will consolidate a bit and then if it break out of that uh, tight range, then I can buy because it's easy to have a stop loss uh, below that uh, tiny range. And okay. then stocks that are on their 52 week high as well. So usually anything that that's reaching all time high is above 200 day moving average. Mm -hmm. Anything that reaches a 52 week high is most likely above the 200 day moving average mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it's those all-time high 52 week high uh, 200 exponential moving average breakout pull back uh, to the 50 day moving average that's what i use and then to exit i always estimate from my price of entry then i look for an error value either as a moving average or a certain pattern, whether it's a tight range, a bullish flag, or in a cup and handle, look where I can place my stop and then use 1.58 R there. And then I use position sizing 
just to make sure that um, I buy enough that I don't blow uh, more than 2% of the total portfolio. Yeah, so now because it's a, still a small account, I risk 2%, yeah. But you know, uh, I was telling the other people that I usually talk to that the 2% it's just a value. You have to ask yourself the value in rent terms. Can we handle to lose that amount yeah, in rent yeah. terms? Because it's easy. If I say to you, I use 2% and you are trading 100,000, it's different than when you're trading 10 million. <laughs> Can you <Yeah. we> handle it <laughs> 2% on a 10 million rent account? So it's a different story. But yeah. At this moment, that 2%, it's something that I can handle emotionally. Then, man, once I've bought, I've set my stop, as much as uh, I don't have the option to set a stop level on these equities, but I still check uh, the stuff that I bought. It's either I'm using investing.com for chatting or I'm using TradingView. So I will check my positions uh, probably once or twice per week. Well, it's not easy to just neglect uh, them. Because, I mean, I'm a trader. I'm not an investor to say I will just uh, buy and forget. Mm -hmm. So from time to time, I have to check. Because there are some alerts that I have to check if the stocks are performing the way, the way that I was expecting them, if the price levels that I'm paying attention to have been hit and, and stuff like that. Then, yeah, that's it. I mean, if the stock is above 200-day moving average and it's on an uptrend, a series of higher highs and higher lows. I'll just uh, hold that stock uh, right to the trend. Uh, I don't set take profit levels. Mm -hmm. The only time I exit a, sto a stock if it's uh, on an uptrend, if it goes below the 50-day moving average, then I will uh -huh. close that position. That is not to say that uh, that yeah, that is not to say that the trend has ended. Uh, there were times where I kept positions. Sometimes you look at the distance between the 50-day moving average and the 200-day moving average. Mm -hmm. If you feel like the 200-day moving average is going to provide uh, some sort of a support, but that gap is just wide, 10%, 20%, I don't think it's worth it for me to hold that stock. I would rather wow. sell, wait and see if the stock is going to continue to trade lower until it finds support in the 200-day moving average. If it does find support and show some lower price rejection, either based on the candlestick patterns, but basically for it to close above the 200-day moving average, then there's no harm in taking the position again. Even yeah. there on the 50-day moving average, if it closes below, consolidate for some time underneath the 50-day moving average, and then at some point it closes above it, I will still buy it uh, because that will be another buy signal. Ah. But yeah, the only time I exit a stock is if and only if it goes below the 50-day moving average. Also, so the 50-day exponential moving average becomes almost like a trailing stop on, on, on your positions. Yes, it becomes a trailing stop because on easy equities, I can't set uh, the trailing stop. But on MetaTrader with the GT247 futures mm -hmm. account, yeah, I use a, a 1.580R trailing stop. Yes. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So, man, um, uh, you, you touched uh, um uh, a bit of on 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 risk management and, and the two percent rule, um, and and I, I like that you 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 make you, you, um you make emphasis on uh two percent is low enough for your slipping point at the moment, and then I think it's something that has been touched on the reminiscence of a stock operator where 
um, uh, Livermore says you need to sell down to your sleeping point if you if the trade is too big for you. Um, so with 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 um, um, seeing that you you're trading um, uh, um, with easy equities, uh, meaning you are not geared in your positions. Um, how 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 are you uh, calculating your positioning size to ensure that no more than two percent of your account equity? Notwithstanding that, you know, from time to time you'll suffer you'll suffer a bit of slippage, you know, on the uh, market open volatility. How how do you uh, um, say uh, okay, I'm entering stock A at ten rand, and my stop is sitting at around eight rand or whatever the case is. Therefore, I'm buying a hundred shares of the particular stock. How do you determine your positioning size to ensure that your risk management still adheres to the two percent rule, considering the fact that you're not geared on your position? Well, um, I think if you're not geared, okay, yeah, I think if you're not geared, it's relatively easier compared to when you are geared. But uh, the whole calculation, I do it uh, on Excel. So I have a cell that has the total uh, account value. And mm-hmm. then I have a place where I will put in the ATR of that particular stock mm-hmm. and the current uh, trading price of that particular stock. And then uh, because let's say 2%, I know 2% of my account, how much it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then I use the ATR and the price to determine how much I'm supposed to buy. And then now that will give me, usually it's just a lot of figures, but I then round it down just to account for the slippage. Uh, let's say, for example, I'm just trying to look at this uh, thing, but it, everything that I do, it's on Excel. It's easy. Yeah, it's easy if I can put it like that. Okay, now it's open. Yeah, so I have a cell that has an account value, mm-hmm. another cell that has ATR another cell that has share price and the 2% risk. And then I multiply the ATR with the, with the multiple that I'm using. In this case, I'm using 1.5% mm-hmm. uh, multiple. So basically to calculate the, the lot size that I want, uh, I divide, I use the value of risk. Okay, let's just say, let's use a theoretical value of 50,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2% of 50,000, it's a 1,000 rent, right? Mm-hmm. And then I calculate the ATR value, 1.5 times ATR. Let's say I want to buy Sasol. The ATR is 7 rand, 66 cent. The share price is 142 rand, 20. So the 2% risk in this case, it's a 1,000 rent. Mm-hmm. If I say 1.5 times 766, which is the ATR value, I get about 11 rand 50 cent, right? Mm-hmm. When I take the 11 rand 50 cent, I divide the 1,000 rand that I'm willing to lose to get oh, the lot wow. size that I'm supposed to be uh, buying. So in this case, I'm getting 86.75. Okay, the figure is not uh, 50K. It's just slightly above 50K, but... I get about 80 shares that I'm supposed to buy. So now the, here's the thing, because it's not uh, geared. Mm-hmm. If I were to buy 80 shares worth of Sasol, I need uh, about 12,200 rent. You yes, see? Yes. Yeah. So now if I have that uh, 12,000, I will just buy the total uh, shares of Sasol with 12,000 rent. Mm-hmm. And then my stop loss there is going to be around 131 rent per share. So mm-hmm. now I know that 
if Sasol drops from 142 to 181 and I exit my position, I will only lose a thousand rent. You see? Uh. And is I will only lose a thousand rent. Then if you look at the risk in terms of percent, it's about uh, minus eight percent. So Sasol has to go down by eight percent for me to lose. You see? Oh, okay. So now when I look at uh, Edma Easy Equities account, I can see that, okay, let's say Sasol, for example, drops to 185. Mm-hmm. Then I know that probably it's about 4%. It's down 4%. So I know that my position is still safe. Then uh-huh. as it goes to closer to minus 6%, then now I know that my position, I need to pay more attention to it. It's either I have it or I wait for it to reach minus 8%. Then I close the whole position. But uh, since this whole thing is not geared, there are challenges. As we said, we are using a theoretical value of 50,000. So mm-hmm. if I spend 12,000 on Sasol, and then I get a signal, let's say on BHP billeting, I do the position sizing, it requires 30,000. Then I buy BHP billeting. So now I'm low on cash, probably the next uh, stock that I can take, let's say I buy Impala and I need 20 grand, then I can afford to buy it. Then boom, another signal, there's Sanlam. Then now I'm out of cash, yeah. that's the problem. Not yet, yeah. So that's the limitation towards it. But I mean, if I have four position each with a two percent risk, then I know that if all position goes south, the total portfolio drawdown is eight percent. And then according to the risk of ruin table, I think if you lose ten percent, you need about twenty percent to come back up. Twelve percent is so you see, I can just come back quicker. But the advantage of position sizing, we'll go back to the Sasol example, it's minus 8% that I'm willing to take mm-hmm. the drawdown, right? That it has to go down by minus 8%, but my portfolio, it's just 2%. So if Sasol goes up by 8%, uh, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the R concept, risk to reward, and then yeah, it's yeah. presented in the form of R. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now I know every positive 8% is plus 1R, you see. Mm-hmm. So basically, if Sasol goes up by 20%, I have made like two times of what I've risked, you see. Yeah. So position sizing helps me to buy a lot, but to minimize the downside. The opposite of position sizing, well, I'm not saying it's the opposite because there are a lot of people, market participants who manage risk different way. Mm-hmm. But if we to approach this 2% risk this way, we know that the 2% of 50,000, it's a thousand rand. Mm-hmm. You just take a thousand rand, you buy Sasol shares, you forget about it. Whatever happens, happens. You've accepted that you are willing to lose 2%, right? Yeah, yeah. So Sasol has to go down by 100% for you to lose a thousand rand, right? Mm-hmm. But also Sasol has to go up by 100% for you to double your thousand rent. Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, difference. Yeah. yeah. So with this position sizing approach, for me to double that 12,000 that I, I have invested, I don't need Sasol to go up by 100%. So it gives me that advantage. Oh, That's gotcha. It. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's that's a very interesting approach, man. I've 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 always wondered um how do people that are not geared manage their two percent risk? Yes. Yeah, no, to calculate it, uh, it's uh, somewhat easy. But yeah, again, what is important is that you as a trader, 
uh, I willing to lose that amount of money? Uh, I'm just trying to look at this. Um, so I'm looking at this book by Michael Covell, The Complete uh, Turtle Trade. I think it's on page 89 where he shows the calculation of position sizing. But I mean, if you just uh, Google position sizing, it comes yeah, yeah. out. I found it to be a very interesting concept that you can invest a lot of money, like you can pull a large position, mm-hmm. but only risking a fraction of it, you see. Yeah. So basically my focal point is on how much can I lose versus how much can I make? You see, mm-hmm. so if I just throw in 30 grand on Sasol, but knowing that I'm only risking a thousand rand, yeah. I can sleep better at night than to take a thousand, a 30,000 and say I'm putting this on Sasol. If I die, I die. Yeah, <laughs> literally, the, I think I will end up dying. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually written yeah. a, a, a piece on, on positioning size that I'll, I'll, I'll put that link to. I'll put the link to that in the in the show notes below. Um, once the this post uh this uh, podcast, oh, if I can find words, that this podcast is out. <laughs> um, do you put? Uh huh. Okay. Oh no, I was saying that for example, at some point, I read about calculating the intrinsic value of a stock and then to see if it's undervalued and everything. Then in the end, you get the intrinsic value. You look at the current trading price and then you decide if that's enough sort of buffer as a stop loss. Now, what I always want to ask my friends who do fundamental analysis, let's say you calculate Sasol. Sasol is trading at 165. You find that the intrinsic value is one foot. So you have about 20 rand buffer. Mm -hmm. Then you buy Sasol because you accept that risk. What happens when the share price of Sasol fall and reaches one foot do you then exit or you don't exit i think there that's what separates an investor from a trader or a technician yeah. <laughs> fundamentally because uh, from a technical perspective once the price hits a certain level it means that whatever i thought the stock was going to do is wrong yeah. so i have to exit i don't have to justify so it and yeah, say yeah. that here yeah, Sasol still has the buildings are still, <laughs> CEO still great and everything. Yeah, but I mean, that's just the silly politics of who are doing something that is different to technical analysis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I know that you, 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 yeah, you're a technical trader and 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 not a fundamental fundamental trader. Do you put any uh, uh, um, sort of consideration to to um, the funda- the fundamentals of the companies that you're trading. The short answer is no, <laughs> and, and that has its limitation. Trend following, right? Mm-hmm. So now, how am I going to add a, a discretionary decision such as Sasol now changes the CEO? They bring in a rockstar CEO. How am I going to add that into my trading approach? So the only thing that matters to me is price Ah. and its relationship to the moving averages. Those are the only two things that I look at. But I want to be honest with you and say there are limitations to it. Right now, I was looking at the property index. Mm -hmm. Because you, 
you learn every day, you, some things, they start to make sense as you trade and everything. It's easy to look at a ETF, just an individual ETF or maybe an individual stock in the property set. Let's mm. say I'm looking at Redefine. I see Redefine just crossed and closed above the 200-day moving average. Then I want to buy Redefine because the system says so. I buy Redefine. Then at some point, it clicks on me. Wait, we are now currently experiencing the pandemic that we're experiencing the coronavirus diseases. Mm -hmm. uh, most of people are working at home. Nobody's renting space, you see. So when I start to think, most of the real estate investment trust, they are geared. So if they don't have tenants, how are they going to pay the interest and service the debt and everything? Mm -hmm. If they're not generating money, how am I going to get money? Yes, the chart says it's a buy. So now you see, it's something that you see in the end that, okay, this thing blindsided me. Because if I was a fundamental investor or if I considered fundamentals, I would probably look at the balance sheet of the company or all the financial statements that mm -hmm. people read and make sense out of and then look at what is happening around the people renting space. Are the tenants uh, able to, to pay rent and everything to just a uh, pure technical with any fundamental thinking? My result stays uh, the way that I want them to be. There was a time last year, I got a signal on Tiger Brands. I got a signal on AVI. Mm -hmm. uh, I think those are two different companies on AVI. Then, because now I was running low on cash, I wanted to decide if I should invest on Tiger Brands or invest on AVI. Mm -hmm. Then I started to look at things such as the balance sheet and the dividend yield. I sold half of my position on Tiger Brands and bought more of AVI. Then AVI started to trade below the 200-day moving average, whereas TPS maintained its uh, trend uh, above the 200-day moving mm -hmm. average. So then I realized that, okay, I've been using systematic trend following without diluting it with fundamental analysis. Not to say that there's something wrong with fundamental analysis, mm -hmm. but if you keep on changing your approach, then you will get different results. So now I just decided that uh, I will stick exclusively on um, technical analysis. And then uh, on the channel Trend Trader, where I just use technical analysis, there's another channel that I'm using. Uh, it's called Mzans Investor. It's there on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And uh, Twitter handle, I think it's also Mzans Investor. Because people are more tilted onto the investing side of life as opposed to the trading side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to talk to the general public, you make more sense if you talk about investment rather than when you talk about trading. Yes, when you talk about the people that are trading, they understand what you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. the general public, the people want to put some money on the side and use that money to make more money. If you talk about investing, it makes sense. So I decided, okay, I will have a separate channel and then I will incorporate dividend yield because if you tell someone that you look at the dividend yield and the dividend income, because with trading, I look for growth. Whether the company pays dividend or not, it doesn't really bother me that much. What matters is that the price is appreciating. 
Oh, Whether they pay dividend or not, I don't focus on that. Uh, if I get a stop, let's say, for example, I have a high prop position and they're going to pay a dividend this coming Monday, but my stop is hit on Wednesday, the week before, mm-hmm. I will exit uh, my high prop. I'm not going to hold the position just so just that I wait. The... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, you see. And also to understand how the dividend yield is calculated, uh, there's that annual dividend, I think, divided by price. So the price changes every day, but the dividend that they paid doesn't change. So if I look for any stock that has a dividend yield that is greater than five, each day I will get different answers. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, there I cover stuff that are less volatile, like ETFs. Then I will compare ETFs in terms of dividend yield, uh, ETFs in terms of total expense ratio, the stuff that makes sense to the general public. And then maybe if I buy a stock, there I always say technicals first. First, the stock has to add get my attention based on technical analysis. Mm-hmm. Then I will look at the dividend yield to say, okay, now I got a signal for old mutual and then old mutual has this dividend yield. So if old mutual stay above the 200 day moving average for as long as it stays and the dividend yields this much, then I can expect old mutual to pay me this much in the form of dividends. You see? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, for my trading approach, pure technical no okay i know you and i are the same man um i'm just purely uh, um technical i don't care what what the, the company does or the sense announcement you know sometimes they it hits me on uh, by the backside sometimes it supports me but that's neither here nor there yes. um take me through your best and the worst trades that you can remember for me and what were the lessons from each <laughs> I think my worst investment, if I can call it an investment rather than a trade, was with uh, MTN. So October 2015, when I just opened my Easy Equities account, uh, I saw MTN. It's one of the big uh, companies I'm using. Uh, MTN is my service provider and stuff. Then I just bought MTN. I think at the time it was trading just above 150, not sure 155 for what. On the day that I bought it, we were in the meeting, so I bought it in the morning. Then somewhere during the day, they announced, uh, not if it was a fine, but it has something to do with Nigeria. Then the yeah, share the price started. Ran fine or something. Yes, the share price started falling. Because now uh, I'm just starting, you read things such as uh, rent cost averaging, buy more, buy when there's blood on the street and everything. I kept buying MTN all the way from 150. I think I, I just bought at the top 150. And I kept on buying 140, 130, 120, up until I couldn't take it anymore. I kept my position. So that's one of my worst uh, investment. I still have that just so that it reminds me to never repeat <laughs> that mistake ever again. The other one was Braid, the company that owns Virgin Active. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why why that one started falling <clears throat> because i thought i mean uh, i'm a physically active guy i go to virgin active the other stuff that is under braid uh, i think the other company it's a it's new look uh, yes there's new look there's the other company in iceland and yeah then i think uh, this is a good store then i buy i mean there's dr christophe there you see Shoprite, you see pep and everything <laughs> if the guy's name is there that thing is gonna be great. You yeah. see, 
I bought a braid, also braid, started falling, 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 falling. I kept because, you know, the saying on the street, you only lose when you sell. So I had to hold <laughs> my loss. Uh, the other one was Blue Labels uh, Telecoms. That one, when I bought it, I think I started buying it at 14 rand. And then it started going up. I didn't know why it was going up. It started going up from 14 rand. I remember at some point it reached uh, 20 rand per share. Then there was a time when they sponsored, well, I will just say they sponsored Springbok. But their name was on the Springbok shirt. Mm-hmm. I remember there was a time I told my girlfriend, look, Dali, this thing now is going to get public attention. People watch uh, Springboks, <laughs> they will know telecoms and everything. And you know, all the stories you read about the guys, the founders of Blue Label Telecoms, at the time I was also selling, at the time I was using a blue machine. So I know every week I go to deposit money there because I sell at time and everything. So yeah, those were some of my worst investments. Yeah, because uh, whatever strategy I thought I had, I just didn't have a strategy. I was buying what uh, the gurus on social media are pushing. Mm -hmm. And then I was backing it with some very, very horrible research that I was doing. And then they didn't work well. At some point, you can't handle it emotionally. Then you have to cut it and then start afresh. And then my best investment but that now was trading because at the time i had already read a trend following by michael covell i had Mm -hmm. read a mark book i saw impala i think it was trading around 22 rand per share Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it was november 2018 at the time i bought impala it traded there from 22 rand to about 27 rand. I think it retraced a bit. When it came back to break above 27 rand, I added on that position. It just kept on going 40 rand, 50 rand. With every pullback, I added on the position. That position went up, I think, uh, not sure if it's 150 or 170, just before Corona hit us last year in March. Then I exited that position. That was one of my very best trades using a technical analysis, (laughs) systematic trend following approach. Yeah, Yeah, it went as high as one, around 170, 180. Yes, that one really uh, filled my my pockets. The other one was um, Telcom. I just want to see uh, which level Telcom broke. But also telecom, it, it just broke above the 200-day moving average. Yeah, I wrote uh, that trend. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, it was also somewhere around 2018. It was trading around 52 rand per share. I held the trade all the way to about 100 rand per share. Then it started to pull back, and then it closed below the 50-day moving average around 80 rand per share. Mm-hmm. Then I exited the position. So yeah, those were two of my best. And then last year, I had Sibany. Uh, that one gave me a nice uh, 100% return because I bought just after it came back to trade above 26 rand. After that fall, the COVID fall. Mm-hmm. So I held that one all the way to about 60 rand. In fact, I still have some bits and pieces of it. So yeah, so that is why now I can comfortably say that trend following works. But I mean, man, um, what, what just... Uh, 
gave me an, an idea or sort of confirmed that this thing works is that as long as you are looking at something that is trending yeah and just write the trend trend following is not going to work in a ranging market if you can't distinguish a ranging market from a trending market you just going to burn your fingers that's it yeah so you have to always look for something that is trending and be disciplined enough to sit out something that does not uh, resonate with your approach but another trade that worked well even though according to my books it was a bad trade because i didn't follow my rules mm-hmm. it was sasol so after sasol fell all the way to about 20 rand per share sometime around uh, may it closed above the 50 day moving average but the 50 day moving average was still below the 200 day moving average yeah yeah and then i had seen with other stocks because i mean like i said if the price is trading above the 200 day moving average and it's above the 50 day moving average if it close below the 50 day moving average the chances are it will go and test the 200 day moving average ah. today and then go up so the way that i approached the sasol trade was that okay now sasol has closed above the 50 day moving average from the bottom the next resistance level is the 200 day moving average so if i buy now and set the stop just below the 50 day moving average if sasol pushes all the way to the 200 day moving average i'll be able to capture that move oh. and it did yeah i think it went as high as uh, 108 rand per share then i closed that position luckily remember uh, <laughs> in my case i always leave a room for pure chance Yeah yeah so I chose the position then the following day it started to go back below but then again I expected it to continue to trend lower because it hasn't uh, traded above the 200 day moving average yeah in fact it did so, that for the first time uh, I think a week or two ago is so now that was a profitable trade but since I didn't follow my rules it was a bad trade a I told trade, myself yeah. it worked but i shouldn't do that a lot because not all the companies they will be able to survive above the 50 day moving average whilst the 200 day moving average is still uh, trending low and then after i had exited that position i never touched uh, sasol until uh, last not last week the week before that one when it just closed above then that's when i touched uh, sasol So I have a friend that I talk to a lot about his more into fundamental analysis. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about co- good companies and everything. Yeah, so now with my approach Sasol is above 200 day moving average. Then I can start listening to ca- uh, stories such as Sasol is a great company because the fundamentals, the technicals I mean, they support that store. I will buy oh. it from a technical so all the smart guys the smart money if they see that sasol paid uh, the debt things have changed they sold the bits and pieces of the lake charles thing you see they will invest from that angle i will buy from the technical approach in the end we all gonna win <laughs> we see from different yeah you run the world we all gonna win but our reasons for winning are completely different yeah, you see yeah 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 so those are the traits the mtn uh, braid 
Blue Label Telecoms were my worst performers. I won't blame Purple Group when it was trading, I think at 50 cent per share. Mm. I just didn't know. I was looking for something that is selling below one rent per share. I mean, you think that if if it's worth one rent, you buy a lot of it. If it goes to two rent, you double your money. Yeah, that's not a great strategy. <laughs> it works, but it doesn't work. I mean, you look at Aveng. Aveng has been trading between one cent and three cent for the past three years. Yeah, that so even zero. if you, yeah, even if you put a million rand in there, you would have missed a lot of opportunities. Yes, you will be a biggest shareholder of Avengers, but there's no show for it. You see. Yeah. So, yeah. same with uh, Steinhoff. When it started falling, I managed uh, to sit it out. I think for about three years or so, I just set it out. Yeah, just because it cost less than a cigarette it doesn't mean that I have to buy it. I want to buy something that is moving. Yeah. I want to buy something that is moving, not something that is dead. So, yeah. Yeah. And then incidentally, uh, uh, one of my best performers in my, not, not in my trading portfolio in my investment portfolio has been purple because I've started picking purple around 28 cents and I've been adding to that position Mm -hmm. since I started buying it and I still continue to, um, to add into that position um, into purple, just be, I, I just like the company and I think uh, um, in my mind, it's going to be the next uh, uh, Kipitech uh, because it will, um, uh, it, it does what Kipitech did with banking, except it, it does it with it with uh, in, in the investment world. And I think um, the market will catch up to, 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 to it in time. Yes. Yeah, I know there, I won't lie. Uh, Purple Group, has a great story. It's a very interesting company. I like what uh, they are doing. I mean, I use them and their client. I'm happy with the brokerage that I'm paying with them. Uh, sometimes there are some minor glitches there and there, but you just, uh, you can be able to talk to them and they can fix some of the stuff and everything. And they keep on improving their platform, if I can put it like that. Yeah, For instance, yeah. when I started, was a 15 minutes price delay now you have an option to get the life price the life it's affordable I and mean, for 20 rands you can get about 250 credits so it's not a lot for me it's worth it today i got an email about um, trade alerts or just alerts not trade alerts mm-hmm. so now you see it's continuously improving so the company yeah. itself has a great store and recently the chart also tells that story because yeah, i will yeah. always look at the chart first then uh, make my decision i also have a bit of purple group in my portfolio it's not a lot but the reason i have it it's because the chart says buy this accumulating it got you got you so for um, me i'm not gonna lie bro it's always gonna be the chart yeah yeah you know and 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 i think i think it was simon that says um it doesn't matter what you think price is the only truth and um chart will give you the the truth because it the only thing that the chart is giving you is price and then you then add uh, um derivatives of price and moving averages or oscillators or whatever the case is just to interpret what the price says or what the price means but the price is the truth. Yeah, I know the price says everything because even if there's a guy who's cooking the books, 
the price is just there. By the yeah. time they report that somebody cooked books, probably the you see, here's the thing. Yes, insider trading is illegal, but mm-hmm. we are human beings. I don't expect somebody to know that a company is going to be profitable and not somehow tell I... someone. <laughs> you see, <laughs> so now, if the company is do great or it's not go- it's going to do bad if it's going to do great somebody's going to buy it will show on the chart yeah if somebody's selling it will show on the chart so as soon as i see something that is close below the 50 day moving average i will sell whether the npa is investigating the company is doing this and that by the time the story is out i would be out of that position as well yeah, yeah. yeah so true, true. i just believe it that somebody always know somebody will do something and that something will be reflected on the chat on the price, and then yeah. what i see from the chat, make a, a decision there for example you will get um what was this company but uh, i just bought sasol because it closed above the 200 day moving average mm. then boom there were news that they had paid a portion of that debt you see so now somewhere out there there is someone who probably bought a uh, Sasol because of the debt payment. Then the price moved up. I bought Sasol because it was above the 200 day moving average. So now you see the news and the price action are now working in confluence. I'm seeing something there. Yeah, so, but yeah. I didn't need to know whether Sasol <laughs> paid or not. Yeah. yeah so for yeah, me, true. price first, cut first and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, true. So, um, as someone that has has fair that experienced a fair uh, amount of you know failure, for lack of a better term, and a, a fair amount of success in in, in your trading uh, career over the years, to your mind, what differentiates between um, the loser and the, the 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 winners in the in the financial markets? When when at least specifically when when with regards to um, um, trading the market over the short term? Uh, I will say it's the mindset. Uh, as Michael Douglas put it, there's a difference between knowing risk and understanding Accepting. risk. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you accept risk, it's easy for you to take risk because you don't just take any kind of risk. You take calculated risk. Mm. You see, so now you know that at some point you can part ways with a portion of your money, and if you are at peace with that, you just always going to be positive. You're not going to stop buying stocks just because there were some losers and stuff. You know that you are going to win. Uh, and Mark Minervini, obviously, he's already rich. Uh, it's easy to talk from his perspective to say if you want to win, you're just going to win. I think I read somewhere that some people, they are just so used to losing, like sort of they have an attachment to losing, that winning to them is just foreign. They don't accept winning. <laughs> They're just looking for, for losing. If they lose, it uh, makes sense, you see. Wow. So now, based on the strategy, and because now it's it has a quantified edge, I record my win rate and the size of the winnings and everything, then I calculate based on the formulas that I find on the internet, the strategy has a positive expectation. So I know that whenever I place a trade, it's more likely to be a winner. Mm-hmm. It's coming from the fact that the strategy has a positive 
positive expectation. And also because let's just use the 200 exponential moving average breakout. Out of 10 uh, positions I took using that strategy, about eight of them, they worked. You mm -hmm. see? So if there is one that does not work, I can handle it. And because I look at how much I can lose versus how much I can make, I know that I'm prepared to part with 2% of my portfolio. But if one or two trades, they work and they give me 30% and the loss is 8%. So I have about uh, four times R, you yeah. see. So in the end, I'm just going to win, you see. Mm -hmm. But I don't need to be cocky. I need to always be disciplined, be able to sit on the side. If I see the village trader, post something on Twitter, or if I see, oh, another guy, shout out to Lester David, he's one of the best in the game and the team at uh, Storm Trading. Those are some of the guys that I followed. You see mm -hmm. Storm Trading, they will post the winners, they will post their losses. You see, so now you see that if you lose, you are not the only loser. If yeah, you yeah. win, you are not the only winner. You see? Yeah. yeah. So now, uh, yeah, you, you just see other people's perspective. Somebody will post a chat, if it doesn't fit my entry criteria, I'm able to sit it out. Yes, it's nice because you don't, you're not gonna always look at all the 300 plus stocks that are there in the GSE. Yeah, yeah. If somebody posts something and it's not there on your watch list, then I can just pull a chart and say, okay, there it is. This person sees this, this is what I see. If I see something that can give me a signal in the near future, then I add it on my watch list, you see? And then also to always stick to your plan. Be open to other perspectives, other people's views. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who used Elliot Wave uh, theory. Yeah, I call that guy a wizard because, I mean, if he says the stock is going to go there or a currency pay, it just goes there. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I struggled to understand Elliot Wave theory. You see, mm -hmm. so now if this guy's guy show me something there's no need for me to argue with him and say yeah but uh, my strategy says this no yeah, yeah let him have that position and then see the position works out and then let me see if i can learn a lot with a uh, theory but just to cut the story don't spend time arguing with people focus on what you see on the chat and know that once you have a quantified strategy with a quantified age Mm -hmm. know that you have a positive expectation, you're going to win. One way or the other, you're going to win. And just uh, focus on your circle of competence, if I can put it like that. Uh, I've accepted that I suck at trading Forex. So I don't even waste time trading, looking at the yeah, currency yeah. pairs. Yes, I can see that the US dollar versus the rand is doing this. I expect maybe the price continue, maybe it can reach. 15 rand but that doesn't compel me to say now okay let me activate forex uh, trading in my cfd account and take into trading stocks and trading the s p 500 and the japanese uh, futures and stuff yeah so now uh, some of the people i won't call them losers per se people who are just starting mm -hmm they are just flooded with a lot of information. If you tell someone that the lowest a stock can go is zero, they will just tell you it's a great company, it will recover <laughs> and come up with all these stories. And then each and every day, the price continue to trend 
lower and lower and lower, you see? Then obviously, if I tell them to, I won't tell them because I can't give financial advice. I'll just say, I'm not gonna buy this thing. And then they go, they listen to the village trade. The village trader says, you only lose when you sell. Now this person is gonna be holding this losing position because they don't want to take a loss. dead loss. Yeah, you see? Yeah. Then eventually the loss becomes just too much. Now when they exit, the total risk that they took on their account probably is 50%. Now, if you lose 50% of your account, how much do you need to gain just yeah. to break even? You know, it's 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you see, <laughs> it just becomes uh, difficult. And then um, once you start interacting with people, people want to see results. Uh, I noticed that my channel... I don't have a lot of subscribers. Obviously, I could be sucking at attracting people. But if I were to take a picture with my score or then people will see, hi, this guy, he was able to buy a car. Then they will start following you. Now it creates uh, different expectations. Mm -hmm. If somebody asks me, okay, based on your strategy, how much do you think you can make in a year? Then I say, I 20%, uh, yeah, 20% is possible. Then they say, yeah, but there's this guy, village trader, he just make 100,000 in a day. Then like, <laughs> yeah, it's like crossing the freeway with your eyes closed. You can cross it. You might make it. How many times can you? <laughs> yes. yeah. So now as you grow, you start to respect risk. You start to be, have realistic expectations. Yeah. You know what is realistic based on the numbers that you've ran. Yeah. Yes, some people they can return triple digit returns. I've done it before, it's possible. But I can't just take somebody who just started and promise them heaven on earth because as soon as they lose on their first trade, then all of a sudden they're gonna see you as a scammer, as an amateur and everything, you see. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but if you were to walk the journey with someone to say, okay, I'm providing mentorship to you, not to say you teach them trading, mm. you just the mentorship. I will walk the path with you. I will tell you how I analyze stock, how I buy, how I place my trades and manage my risk. Just watch me for three months and see. If on month one, I return 2% on the portfolio, total portfolio, that is as much as I could return because it's not my doing, it's the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I have to do is make money. Oh, I don't make money, you see. So now then people will start to see that, okay, sometimes we make money, sometimes, sometimes we lose money. And, and then there's this thing of uh, diversification. It's easy to be over-diversified. Mm. Luckily with uh, position sizing, it limits you if it's not geared because once you run out of cash, of which I've experienced that many times, so you will <laughs> lose a lot of great setups just because you don't have cash, yeah, you see. Yeah. But now... You don't want to put a thousand rent on Sasol and then it goes up by 100%. You just made a thousand rent, or you can just take 15 grand and put it on Sasol and return 100%. Then you've just made 15,000. That's a lot. So now, if you tell someone, don't over diversify, yes, diversification is important to sort of manage risk and everything, mm. but just don't uh, overdo it. You see, yeah, so it's those expectations that you need to be aware of if you share your journey with people.
the expectations yeah. because I mean, obviously, if I'm gonna listen to someone that has 20 years experience telling me that on average they return 20% per year, and then I meet another guy who knows nothing, who drives an M4 and tell me that he made a million. Ish, I won't respect <laughs> that hot man. I would think there's something wrong with the hot man. But yeah, this yeah. new guy, when yeah, <laughs> Yes. So how long can you do it? That's it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, different strokes for different folks. Mm-hmm. Some people are okay with, if I die, I die. As long as they can handle it, I'm fine with it. Okay. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so, and, and first of all, I, I, I like um, um, what you just mentioned with, with, you know, newbies or new people in the market trying to be right in the market saying, I uh, recover, recover, I'm right. I know what I'm doing. And then eventually they capitulate and, and exit positions, you know, uh, I think, um, I think it, it must've been the second episode I did with uh, Petri Redenhaze. And he, he made uh, a mention of this book, uh, Being Right or Making Money. And he made a similar example that you just did, um, you know, to say the p- problem with a lot of traders, traders that, lo- that lose a lot of money is they go, in, they go into a position thinking that they're right or believing that they're right. And when, and when the market uh, um, disproves them or negates their theory, they they don't want to accept that they're wrong because exiting a, po- a position at loss is accepting that you're wrong. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let me, yeah. Um, what what's one advice that you thought was great when you got it, and with the benefit with the benefit of hindsight, was actually a terrible idea, or or if not necessarily a terrible advice, it was an advice that did, that does not suit neither your personality or your trading style. Yeah, okay. It's not an advice that I got directly, but I think this thing of you lose when you sell, I don't think it's a good <laughs> advice. And this thing of uh, rent cost averaging, I mean, if you're buying in an uptrend, sure, you can buy because not everyone has deep pocket. Some people, they get paid once permits on mm-hmm. uptrend, it's good. But if you are buying something that is falling, it's not good. You are just throwing good money. After bad. After bad. But something that, uh, a, con- <clears throat> a concept that I got incorrectly. I don't blame the person who was sharing the concept. It's a, is it a Bollinger or a Bollinger band? Yeah. So how that thing works? Because inside the band, I think there's a moving average and the band itself is a standard deviation so now this thinking of if the price is touching the upper band then it's going to retrace back to the average and stuff like that or if it touches the lower band it's going to bounce and go back you see excuse me i'm not saying that a bollinger band is something for identifying a trend that average in there let's say we are using a 20 day simple moving average Mm -hmm. If the price is trading above the 20-day moving average, that's a strong security. It's on an uptrend. Yeah. So why would you want to short it if it touches the upper band? <laughs> you see, because yes, it can face a bit, but what are the chances that it will touch 
the moving average again because it can just retrace a bit, never touch the moving average, go back, touch the upper band and move up. I think then uh, I read about the Donchen channel. Then I realized that, okay, the Bollinger Band is something that looks like a Donchen channel, but the Donchen channel is a, a trend indicator. Every time the price break above the upper level of the Donchen channel, you want to buy, not to sell. Mm -hmm. You see, so my knowledge of the indicator, the Bollinger Band, it really uh, bent my fingers because the tool was right. It's my understanding of a tool <laughs> that was incorrect. <laughs> yes. So, now, well, I don't use it uh, anymore, but yeah, it's possible. I mean, when you get information, whether you are being taught by someone who says they know how to trade today explain the Bollinger Band the way they understand it or whether it was from YouTube or from a website search. But yeah, it was just that one tool that I learned uh, incorrectly. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of oscillators, the RSI, I'm not going to say that the price doesn't go back if it reaches the overbought position, mm -hmm. but a security that is in a strong uptrend can stay overbought for a very long period of time. And the security that is falling can stay oversold for a long period of time. So don't just see that, okay, the RSI is above 70, then let me short this security. No, yeah. what if the security has? <laughs> I mean, you look at the candle, it's on candle that shows momentum. Why would you want to short that? Yeah, yeah. yeah so there are some things uh, that you can misinterpret if you don't understand. And then I think the best advice that I got is uh what's the name of this guy uh not at Sekota, but it's losers average losers i'm trying to remember the name of the trade uh let me see if i can quickly find it because i have it it's there i i mean i have the guy on my mind it's just the guy's name that uh, yeah. i forgot is so Oh, oh, it's Paul Trudeau Jones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've got it. If you buy security and it goes lower, don't add into that security. Just forget about it. It's either you exit it or you wait for the stop level to be hit, yeah, but yeah. never ever add into a loss. So that's the best advice. That's the principle that I live by. Even on my Twitter account, I have it there on the bio losers, average losers, so that I know to never, ever head into a losing position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also, you know, I only add to my winners. I always just cut my losers short. And, you know, partly because I'm I'm, I'm, I'm trading yet and I don't, like I can be, um, the market can be irrational for long, far much longer than I can rem uh, remain solvent. So I, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's the best advice, man. Cut your losers short. <laughs> you say, let your winners run. That's the principle we live by uh, in trend following. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just that uh, locally, there are trend followers, people who describe themselves as trend followers, but they aren't a lot of them. And then other people incorporate uh, okay, they are not systematic trend followers. They will have trend following, but they will also have uh, discretionary stuff by adding fundamental analysis. Mm -hmm. 
but I think we have a, a good community, although it's sort of a small community, but it's great. I mean, like I said, storm trading. Uh, I don't know what approach they're using, but I will just gonna go ahead and say they're looking at price action and there would be some patterns. There are no moving averages. Yeah, so you yeah. see it, uh, it works. There was another guy, I don't see him on Twitter a lot. Uh, it was a white guy. He was a painter. I think he was also an engine, but he had uh, something, a system that he was using to trade oil. That guy used to kill the market. That guy was pulling large positions. So that motivated me to look into moving averages. But there was a time where I almost quit trading <laughs> because the results were not coming. Yeah, don't you know. <laughs> the result, yeah, no, the results were not coming. I mean, you see, that, that's why I'm saying as a trend follower, you must look for a trending market. There was a time where JSE was just moving on the side, just the total JSE. You could still pick up individual companies that are performing well, that are trending up, because there was a time where a lot of companies were on a downtrend. But I mean, that Impala trade, I got it when most of the stocks were moving lower. So now you see that, okay, I must look at something that is trending. Uh, there's a guy in the US, Larry Tentarelli, I think he's using pure systematic trend following. That guy is price moving averages. Then I was convinced that this thing works. I just dropped everything. Said, okay, I'm just going to look at price and moving averages. Then that is how I bounced (laughs) back and came back and started to focus on just one thing and uh, one thing only. Yeah. And since then, I think I can say October 2018, then I started to see consistent results. I started to see good profit. And I think that's what uh, made me to say, I think now I'm confident enough to open a Twitter account or a YouTube channel and share because we're on the market to make money. Mm-hmm. It's not about being right. If I post a chat and it doesn't work out, I lose nothing. I'm not in school in the sense that it's always about being right. I mean, you read uh, a lot of personal development books, this encourage that we have to be right. You just want to be right. Even when you are wrong, you want to still stick to being right. So now I just accepted that, yeah, I mean, I can engage with these people instead of uh, following them from a distance and whatnot. If maybe say, for example, Lester post a chat, I can give an opinion based from what I see without not being afraid to say, what if I'm wrong? I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If he's right, he's right. If he's wrong, he's wrong. And that's just about it, you see. Yeah, so I had that confidence to say, okay, fine. I can do this thing and stuff. So, okay. yeah, thanks to Larry, among other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, as, 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 as... Oh, another thing. Uh-huh. I still uh, listen to Michael Covell podcast. Uh, yeah, I always look for where he talks about uh, traders because I think he's also running out of trend followers. Now there are people who talk about psychology and other things, mm-hmm. but I listen to his podcast. I think the other guy is in Australia, chat with traders. I listen uh, to yeah, that Aaron post- podcast. Yes, and then I will try to filter for the ones that talk about um, 
trend following or systematic approach. And then Rainer, of course, I subscribe to his channel each and every week. I always uh, watch his videos. Even my girlfriend now, she knows that, hey, hey, my <laughs> friends. <laughs> so, she knows that, ah, it's that Asian guy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, Rainer is one of the best, yeah, man. So I'm grateful that there are people out there who can share this kind of uh, information yeah, yeah, and yeah. make it easier for us because yes i'm still a beginner you never stop learning in the market yeah yeah but i'm grateful that there are people like them yeah hopefully make it possible for them as yeah. well yeah hopefully the village shooter youtube channel will, will make will make it into the list as well and the podcast <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> now man yes you have to grow man you want to see a lot of uh, people there yeah, yeah. Uh, yes i mean pe- like people like petri you know, mm-hmm. Pedro can ask a question. He will take his time to look at that information for you and answer you and really give you like a solid answer, yeah. not just a bit around the bush and everything. I mean, on Twitter, people have, we don't show our faces a lot. People don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. But for the fact that Pedro can take his time and look at something for you and come back and give you a very clear response explaining yeah. the concept and everything, I really appreciate that, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and lastly, man, um, you know, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation and, and I'm, I'm really appreciative of your time. But before I let you go, man, um, please give me your favorite books because I'm seeing that you're a book reader. Okay. Uh, my Holy Bible is Trend Following by Michael Covell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Market Wizard. I think anything that is written by Jack Schweiger is worth uh, looking at. Mm-hmm. The two books by Mark Minevin, the last one, okay, it's not his third book, but the second book on trading, Think and Trade Like a Champion. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the book. Yeah, so I think those are the three best books, Trend Following, Market Wizards, and Think and Trade Like a Champion. And then if you just want a bit of inspiration, the book Elon Musk by Ashley. It's a very interesting book. I read it uh, before the, he succeeded in having that. Um, well, I'm not a, an astronaut, so I'll just call it a, rec- a, a rocket. The mm-hmm. thing that he used to transport the rocket into space and then it comes okay, back right. and yeah, 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 yeah. lands back. Yeah. So I read the, that book before it happened. So when I saw it happened, man, I was excited because it was his dream. It shows Wuti you can dream about things and they can happen, man. You just yeah. have to believe and uh, keep on trying, keep on trying. Yeah, those are the books. And for people who are interested in investing, using investing approach, I think The Intelligent Investor is a go-to book, but it's thick. There's a book that uh, simplifies it uh, a bit. I'm just trying to look for it. Uh, it's called... The 25 Habits of Highly Successful Investors. Mm -hmm. It's written by Peter Sander. So it covers everything that is there in the intelligent investor, but it's in a clear format. Yeah, you can see. Uh, I'm not going to blame the author. It's just that uh, value investing 
is completely different to technical analysis. Mm. For example, in that book, they mentioned that when you make an investment, in addition to buying companies that uh, have superior products that don't have a lot of challenges like Apple and stuff, they mentioned that you must look for a company that has paid dividend for the past five years, I think. So there was a time where I missed a company. I think it was a Kumba Iron Ore mm. because in the previous commodity cycle, a lot of the resource companies, they weren't able to pay dividends. Mm -hmm. So I didn't buy that company. As much as the technical said, I must buy. But because of that <laughs> anchor of the company must have must paid dividends, dividend, yeah. I missed a, a good run. But yeah, those um, are the books. Uh, yeah, I will just... Uh, write the list and send you the list so that you can incorporate it there. I noticed when I was reviewing the complete turtle trader, there was a bit of an issue there to say nature and nature, like <laughs> natural and to teach something, you know? Yeah, so, you know, our English data bundles, they get depleted very yeah, quickly. Yeah, from time and to time, they disappear. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and the way we say things. So some things, it's better if you just uh, write it because it saves you from yeah. that, just to ensure that you give people the correct information. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, no, man. I mean, avid reader because I've never paid anyone to teach me how to trade. Well, partly because in the beginning, I couldn't afford to pay someone to teach me how to trade. And uh, being someone who's been in school forever, so I decided, okay, I will take the route of just reading. Uh, if I see village trader recommending a book, I will go and look for that book and read and see what I can find. So my trading started uh, on the path of reading books rather than attending a seminar and learning. Yes, there are some webinars like Just One Lab. Mm -hmm. The information is there, you just sit and watch. Uh, Simon Brown, Lay's system is very clear. You just have to take your time and follow that and then you try it, you see. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I started learning because I think it's better to know how to select what you want to buy than mm -hmm. to be told what to buy. Because yesterday yeah, exactly. you can tell me buy Sasol, but what if you are busy? Now you can't tell me it's time to exit Sasol. <laughs> <laughs> and then I lose. Who am I going to blame, you see? So yeah, the people that I talk to now, I always tell them it's important to know how to play the game than to yeah. be told how to play the game, you see? Yeah. 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 Now, man, we'll park it here for, for, for today's episode. Thank you very much for borrowing me your time. I really, really appreciate it. Um, thank you for listening. Be sure not to miss another episode of The Village Trader uh, by subscribing on your favorite podcatcher. We everywhere uh, where good podcasts are uh, um, aggregated. Um, thank you for hanging with us. Check you next time on The Village Trader podcast. Um, uh, tr trend traders youtube channel traders and everything will be in the description the show notes below um thank you thank you trend trader for your time thank you for listening check you next time on the village trader cheers